I listen to the diaries because it sparks ideas for new adventures. Whether it is an episode about an epic adventure or a backyard micro-adventure, I start thinking about my next adventure. I'm inspired by the people and their stories to go a little farther and dig a little deeper. If you want to add more spark to your adventurous ideas, consider subscribing to the Diaries Plus today. I'm Crystal, a longtime listener from the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains in North Carolina. Thanks to everyone who has subscribed to the Diaries Plus. It's been awesome, and you're powering the show as we move into the future. If you're interested in subscribing today, there's a link in the show notes. Please join. Now, on to the show. Cordelia, how are you doing? Good. How are you, Fitz? Good. So there, there is some weight in this world, and, and it's like, it's my own weight, and other people are going through more weight, and I know that. But like, I just needed a good story, mm-hmm. you know? And like, goofy, weird stuff can have deep meaning. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it mean, it's got deep meaning because it makes us laugh. And sometimes it's got deep meaning because it actually, there's something wonderfully delightful about people taking bizarre chances and doing something cool and having a good time doing it. <laughs> and that is what we had today. And I was just like reading through this thing. I was just like, I cannot believe this. Like, I cannot believe this. I So for, for like 10 years, I worked at National Geographic. I helped them organize their National Geographic Adventures of the Year. Like I would go through all these things that people had done in the world, like random stuff. I mean, some random, random things that were like considered first mm-hmm. or uh, strange things. And I have never heard anything like this in It Happens in Iowa. Today, Caleb Smith is going to take us on a journey on wheels through the heart of Iowa. So get ready for some cornfields, some farm parties, and a lot of Midwestern charm. I'm Fitz Cahal. I'm Cordelia Zars. You're listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. I feel like everyone's always surprised at how much I love Iowa. It's a place you have to experience firsthand because most people, they end up just passing through Iowa. They drive through it on the interstate. They don't know much more than I-80, but it is like this multifaceted place with, with so much like beauty that's like hidden around every little corner. This is Caleb Smith. He grew up on the border of Illinois and Iowa, and in his mid-20s, he moved to Des Moines. The people here are super kind. Like everything's, you know, a little bit slower than some of the other parts of the country. You're not always in a rush. You're not always like hectic. Like life is is calmer here. So you can take time to unfold and enjoy what you're doing and not be so like worried about everything. Everybody thinks it's flat in cornfields, but we have rolling hills. We have up in the Northeast, we have these massive hills and beautiful bluffs incredible hiking, just like nature and scenery that Iowa gets looked over for often. 
One day, about 10 years ago, Caleb was visiting Davenport, Iowa. Cyclists just started rolling up, cyclist after cyclist, and I thought like, oh, there must have been a race or something. But, you know, 200 cyclists is a lot, 300 cyclists is a lot, but then next thing you know, there are thousands of cyclists, and you're just like, what is going on? What is this thing? I've never seen anything like this. Caleb learned that this massive cyclist migration, it was something called RAGBRAI. And that stands for the Register's Annual Great Bicycle Ride Across Iowa. It all kicked off in 1973, when a couple of riders for the Des Moines Register hopped on their bikes to document small-town Iowa charm by riding from one side of the state to the other. The next year, they did it again, with more people. Over the following 48 years, the RAGBRAI tradition expanded into a seven-day, 470-mile ride that now attracts between 10 and 20,000 participants annually. It's the oldest, largest, and longest recreational bicycle touring event in the world. Basically, it's a giant party on wheels. Each year, the route changes, so eight towns along the route host RAGBRAI riders for the night, They allow participants to set up tents and food trucks in schoolyards or fairgrounds and then open up their businesses and restaurants for the biggest economic boom they'll see in years. Farmers and homeowners along the way invite riders in for drinks and snacks, and people from all over the world fly to Iowa for this event. After his first interaction with RAGBRAI in Davenport, Caleb forgot about the event for several years. But in 2017, he started dating a girl who was getting into cycling. So she said, I think I'm really going to do RAGBRAI. And I said, I've heard of that, but I still don't really know what it is. But I was like, yeah, I'll do RAGBRAI with you. That sounds cool. Like, I'll skate it. Wait, hang on. Did you guys hear that too? He said, I'll skate it. It's a bicycle event. We asked Caleb to explain. So I started skating when I was five. Every kid skates when they're young, I think, and I I really loved it. And then in sixth grade, trick skating became like really popular. It's when aggressive rollerblading kind of exploded onto the scene. And I started doing that and I loved that. And I did that for close to 20 years. So it was like mid 20s. A lot of my friends had stopped skating. You know, people were pursuing careers and family. Some of us were just tired of getting hurt. And I still really loved skating. So I started just skating around for fun, skating around for fitness, just trying to stay active and not quit skating. And by skating, he means what most of us would call rollerblading. Three wheels in a row. Rollerblade is a company that makes inline skates. It's kind of like the whole Kleenex scenario that Rollerblade became the first company to commercialize it. And so they essentially became one of the biggest companies in the world. So it was like, Rollerblade the brand. Okay, back to RAGBRAI, skating edition. So yeah, uh, my partner said she wanted to do it. And I said, yeah, I did my best to plan. You know, I got a tent. I got the camping gear I thought I'd need. Apart from getting some camping gear, Caleb didn't do much other research on what he'd need for the event. When you register, you get your wristband, um, which gives you access to cheaper meals things of that nature, but it also allows you access to the shower trucks and the baggage trucks, which are essentially just these semis, and you throw your gear on there and they'll carry it for you to the ending town. The first rag ride I did, I was 
so unaware that I didn't even know to register. He'd heard Ragbri lasted seven days and bopped from town to town. He didn't know how many miles to expect between each town, but he requested time off work and logged some time in his skates in the months before the event started. With the fitness skating I was doing, I was doing six or seven miles. Sometimes I'd do 10 miles. And at the time, being a trick skater, I'd never done anything like that. And I thought to myself, like, oh, heck yeah, like 10 miles. I, this is awesome. This is big. Like, I'm, you know, I'm a fitness guy now. And I did one big skate before Rag Ride that was 33 miles. And it went pretty well for me. And so I, I thought, like, oh, I won't do any more like that again until Rag Ride. That was a few months before Rag Ride. Yeah, <laughs> that was all it took for me to do it. It was just saying, her saying, I think I'm going to do it. And I said, I think I'll try that too. Uh, but yeah, I was really surprised. <laughs> As Ragbri drew closer in the summer of 2017, Caleb's girlfriend at the time, found a group to ride with and carry her gear. But since Caleb was skating rather than cycling, he didn't end up joining her group. So the week before Rag Rai, I found out I don't have any way of getting there, or any way of moving my gear. I just started reaching out to people. Hey, who's going to Rag Rai? Does anybody know where I can find a ride? Because Rag Rai is such a popular event in Iowa, he didn't have too much trouble finding a group to adopt him. The team was Team Dude Storm. They were mostly musicians and artists. They had this big red RV van named Rosie that was like barely chugging along. On the last Saturday in July, Caleb crammed into Rosie with Team Dude Storm, along with eight people's gear, helmets, and bikes. They drove the three and a half hours from Des Moines to Orange City, a small town near the western border of Iowa. That afternoon, they arrived at the school where they'd camp before Ragbri officially began the next morning. And there was just tents and RVs for like as far as I could see, just like all the way down like the street, RVs and vans and vehicles parked with bikes, like so many bicycles. Once Caleb pitched his tent in the schoolyard lawn, he joined his new friends as they explored Orange City along with thousands of other giddy Ragbri riders. A cover band played from a main stage downtown. Food vendors handed tacos and burgers out of truck windows. The town opened their putt-putt golf course to riders, and they'd filled a stream in the course with water from the Missouri River. So the tradition on Ragbri is on the first night, you dip your front tire into the water of the Missouri River, and then on the end of Ragbri, you dip your back tire into the Mississippi River. So where they had started Rag Riot was like kind of dangerous to get to the river. So they had brought water in from the Missouri River and filled the putt-putt course to keep us cyclists and everybody from venturing off of the path getting hurt. Caleb ceremoniously dipped his front skate wheel into the water. So, uh, Caleb, when you were out there for the first time walking around with your skates, was anyone like, bro... You're about to do this on rollerblades? Like, what are you thinking? <laughs> Did anyone question you about that? I don't think anyone had noticed yet. My team that I was with, they were hyping me up so hard. They were like, this is crazy. I can't believe you're doing this. Like, 
I don't think anyone on Ragnarok had yet realized it because when you're in the town, I mean, there's kids skating around, there's people on skateboards, there's people on every type of thing that come just to experience the, what's happening. They're not even going to do the ride. They're just there. And so I'm sure a lot of them thought I was just skating around to see what was going on. Um, so nobody had yet questioned me about the skating. Caleb and his team got some food and headed back to camp for the night. Caleb learned that tomorrow, the first day of the ride, 62 miles, twice what he had ever skated before. So he felt keen to get some rest. I was planning on getting up earlier than all the cyclists because they're kind of like, they get up at like eight o'clock, nine o'clock and they mosey out. And I knew, I knew that I didn't know what I was getting into. So I wanted to get an early start just to have a better hand on it. I remember getting up, packing my tent and gear and stuff, and I put it in the van and all the people on my team were still asleep. And I, I walked from the school to the edge of town, which was maybe like eight or 10 blocks. It wasn't long. It was like a 10 or 15 minute walk, but I was like getting really nervous. And I walked to, it was basically the main road on the edge of town. And then there was a turnoff that led down a highway, which is where it started, I guess. And I sat down in this parking lot and just sat next to my skates for like, I don't know, 20 minutes maybe. I was so nervous. Knowing it would get hot on the road, Caleb had packed a pair of basketball shorts and a pair of Speedo briefs for Ragbri. And I had told myself I was going to skate in these briefs because it was supposed to be really hot. And I kept thinking like, yeah, this makes sense. And then Sunday morning, I'm like standing there in this parking lot in these like skin tight briefs. And I'm just like, what am I doing right now? And I was like, so pre-embarrassed for what was about to happen to me for like the next however many miles. I remember I was just looking down this highway and the sun was coming up and it was like green on both sides and the cyclists kept passing, coming this way and turning left and passing. And I was so nervous. I I don't know. I sat there for so long and then I I finally like, I was like, I got to do this. I got to go. Like I can't sit here all day. I put my skates on and started to mosey down the road. Uh, it, it was crazy. That was it. It was like uh, kind of the feeling of like jumping into the water. It was like, here we go. And then next thing you know, I was just doing it. Oh my God, like the first cyclist of passing was just like, nice shorts. <laughs> and it was just like, <laughs> the briefs were, I mean, they were essentially briefs that were skin tight. And I remember I kept trying to like grab the thigh part and pull it down as if I would magically turn them more into shorts. No, this no, they just kept riding right back up. And I was just like, this is, this is it. And then I just kind of got into the skating and it was like wild. Within his first few miles on the road, Caleb caught up to speed on some ragbri traditions. First, he learned it was custom to chat and exchange stories with other riders when they passed. Then he skated past the Mile of Silence, which is a mile in honor of cyclists that have been injured or killed on the road. And he discovered that even though ragbri is a giant party on wheels, safety is no joke. So as an aggressive skater, 
I had a history. Uh, Caleb, you're going to have to define what aggressive skating means. <laughs> so there's inline skating, which is just what you would call regular rollerblading. And then there's aggressive inline skating, which is tricks, grinding down rails, doing half pipes, jumping off of things. And there's a super big stigma against helmets. Helmets are uncool. Don't wear helmets. They're whack. And so I kind of grew up with that mentality. Um, and I ended up having five severe head injuries. And after the last one, the doctor was like, you shouldn't even really be alive right now. So I kind of had to start wearing a helmet all the time when I aggressive skated. But I got in this mentality of like, I'm not trick skating. I'm just regular skating. I'm just going down the road. I don't need a helmet. Like the helmet's going to be hot. I don't want to wear a helmet all day. That's nerdy. So I remember I, I brought my helmet, but I just, I had it clipped to my little pack that I was carrying. And I was like, I'm not going to wear this. And right away, right away, everybody was just like, Hey idiot, what are you doing? Put your helmet on. What are you like? That's not cool. What are you doing? Every cyclist was just like on me about it. And I realized like everyone on Ragby wears a helmet. It changed my perspective. And now I'm a, I'm a skater who wears his helmet all the time, no matter what. Each day on Ragbri, riders pass through five to ten small towns. The town closest to the halfway point gets designated the meeting town, so riders can reconvene with their groups, get some lunch, and rest before tackling the second half of the miles. Caleb found his girlfriend, and they decided to ride and skate together out of the meeting town. Caleb now wore his giant skating helmet, which covered his ears. And she's on a bike, and I'm right next to her, and... I can't hear what she's saying. It's like muffled. So I'm leaning like this and I'm putting my head in closer so I can hear her. And I'm not looking at the road and my wheel went right into a tar snake. So when they, when there's cracks in the road, they fill it with just tar and it creates this really sticky gummy stuff. My wheel went right into this tar snake and it immediately super fast. I was wiping out. I knew it, but I've done that for years. I've a lot of experience falling. And I was falling into her and I knew that I was going to wipe her out too, which would have not been good. So I kind of had to fall in this crazy way, like behind her. I ripped open two of my fingers, my knuckles, elbow. I hit my shoulder and I hit my knee and just like road rash all over my body. My, my knuckles were just like a big chunk. Half of my fingernail had broken off. And I don't remember if I said any expletives, but I remember thinking like, what the heck? Caleb limped over to a bathroom station on a golf course nearby and washed his wounds in the sink. He wrapped his hand the best he could in paper towels and headed back to the highway. That day was supposed to be 62 miles. And kind of the thing that I've learned on Ragbri is the mileage is never accurate and you're usually always doing more. And that day was, I want to say, 68 or 69 miles. And I remember crawling to the end. The mileage I wasn't prepared for, but I, what I was even less prepared for was the climbing. I'm guilty, and I will admit that before Ragbri, I was one of those people that I was more inclined to think that Iowa is flatter than it is. You know, it's not very flat, like in the grand scheme of things. And so I was really unprepared for how much uphill skating I'd be doing. I just remember the last 10 miles. I was just like, I, I thought this was supposed to be over. Like 
it's 62. Where's we're so far. And you're looking and you can start to see the town off in the distance. And you're like, it's right there. Like, I just remember being like, this is forever. And I, as soon as I got into town, I pulled into a Casey's and I sat down and I took my skates off and I was like, I'm done. I'm done. Like, it's like all the weight of the whole day right there, just like collapsing on me. And I was just like, that first day ended in Spencer, Iowa. Exhausted, Caleb found his team dude storm buddies and they set up camp. They were the guys that like every night, like you get off the ride and you feel the weight of the ride and like you wrecked, your body's wrecked, but you're like, you know, an hour passes by and you're like, whoa, I made it. And you're like at campsite and like, we got snacks, we got food. One of my homies is there on a guitar, like people are jamming. We're just like having a good time. And it's like, you forget about all the struggle of the day and you're kind of riding the endorphins. You slide into this like magical realm where you're like, oh wow, like that was awesome. That was way better than a day of work. Like that was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, but that was better than a day of work. Like I love that. Like I love this right now. I'm gonna go camping right now like, and wake up and do that again tomorrow. Like. Yeah. Day two, Caleb started to find his rhythm in the skates. They rode from Spencer to Algona, 72 miles with 1,600 feet of climbing. Caleb's legs hurt from the day before, but he pushed up the hills and try to rest on the downs. Yes, you can break by sort of dragging your foot sideways as if it's like a, a broom almost. In that way, your wheels, when they're going sideways, they can't spin, so they create friction that slows you down. So I did learn very quickly, like, I never wanted to slow down on the hills. After climbing up to the top, like, I wanted to enjoy every bit of the hill, so I would ride down it and, like, coast as far as I possibly could. And I, you know, it was a learning experience with that too, because even coasting down a hill uses so many muscles that I had not like been prepared for that. Like at a certain point that was wearing me out too. Everything was wearing me out. Standing in his skates for 70 miles, Caleb had to figure out how to relax certain parts of his body while others held his weight. First, it was my back. And then to correct my back, I'm now sitting kind of weird and using my thighs differently. And then my thighs start to cramp up and then my calves start to cramp up. And then, you know, it was that whole thing. And I played this game of like adjusting until I was comfortable enough to keep going. But little Iowa treasures along the way kept Caleb moving forward, despite his aches and pains. You know, you come up to a farmhouse and it's like, well, these kids prepare to build your own peanut butter and jelly station with like everything you can imagine. You get to the top of a hill and maybe there's a farmhouse and there's a cooler and they say, hey, it's an open bar, make yourself a drink. In the meeting town on day two, West Bend, the fire station had set up a giant swimming pool for Ragbri riders. And I rolled right in and sort of unclipped and climbed into this swimming pool with all these people and they were all cheering for me. And it was like, I mean, it was day two, so everybody had already kind of been like, ah, have you seen this guy on rollerblades? And so here I am like rolling into the middle town and they're like, come to the pool, come to the pool. And I rolled down and I got into this pool. And I remember, ah, it was just really relaxing and really nice. Everybody's sharing everything. They're sharing so much energy and positivity. And that's something I had 
never experienced on that scale. And that's like a treasure, I think definitely to be recognized is, is the, just the mass amount of, of positive energy that people have positive willpower to make sure everyone succeeds. Cause I think everybody wants to see everyone succeed like on the ride. Day three, Algona to Clear Lake, 51 miles. This day, Caleb decided to test out his basketball shorts instead of the Speedos. And then I had a group of moms ride by and yell at me to go put my Speedos back on. (laughs) So for the rest of the week, I I wore those still. (laughs) At the end of day three, Caleb swam with other riders in the beautiful lake near town, their spirits high to take on their fourth day of ragbri. But on day four, Caleb met an unexpected challenge. That's after the break. Support for the diaries comes from Ketone IQ. As I've been getting more and more into longer runs and bike rides, I found myself fighting with my mind. As the miles extend, I feel like my reactions get slower and I make more mistakes, like tripping or falling or just kind of feeling slightly out of sync descending on the bike. On those big days, I've been using Ketone IQ to help my brain keep fueled and sharp. I want to have fun, not bonk. Here's the science. Ketones already exist in your body. When you push up against your boundaries, your body begins to convert stored fat into ketones, which your brain prefers consuming. With Ketone IQ, I feed my brain so my muscles can use the glucose I get from whatever else I eat on the trail. Riders of the Tour de France have been taking the same approach. I am definitely not as fast, but I can apply the same thinking. Give it a try. You save 30% off your first subscription order at ketone.com backslash dirtbag diaries. Once again, that's ketone.com backslash dirtbag diaries. The link is in the show notes. Please check it out. The next morning, Caleb had 57 miles to skate to the next town, Charles City. But by this point in the ride, he'd relaxed a little on his alpine starts and decided to hang out with his crew for a few hours over breakfast. So at 9.30 or 10, Caleb finally hit the pavement. Less than 10 miles down the road, and it started storming. It started raining so hard. And I was going through a mental struggle I never went through. I never skated in the rain like that before, and my body was sore, and I was like... I was like really in a negative mind space. I was like, I can't do this. Like it's raining. Why? I'm not going to make this. I need to stop. And I, there was a golf course country club that had opened up their country club and turned into like a makeshift bar. All the cyclists were packed like sardines underneath these little, like those little square tents, you know? And I remember getting under there and I'm still in speedos and I'm like soaking wet and my skates for like the last five miles have been just squishing water out with every stride. And I like took my skates off and I sat under this tent and I felt like, really broken and like disheartened and I knew right then and there like I felt like I couldn't go on I don't know why like I did not have the mental it wasn't my body it was my brain I didn't have the mental willpower to go on after resting for a few minutes under the tent Caleb chatted with the owner of the country club and she offered to give Caleb a ride in her car to the meeting town so he piled into the passenger seat still sopping wet and reunited with his teammates in the next town that was the moment where I was like, well, shoot, I'm not going to get my rag by. I had thought it was about getting the mileage, like doing the whole ride. That was the thing. And I was like, I'm not going to get it now. Like I'm defeated. Like, what's the point now? Um, 
And I remember being sort of bummed that day. And I, I got to the middle town and I, I met up with the crew and I got in Rosie and I rode in Rosie to the end town because my skates were soaked. And I was like, I'm not going to skate anymore today. By the time Caleb and his teammates pulled into Charles City, the rain had stopped. They set up camp on the edge of town. And I had decided I was going to hammock camp that night. So I set up my hammock between two trees. Turns out the hammock didn't help the back pain Caleb was having from so many hours in the skates. And the next morning I woke up and I tried to stand up and I could not stand up. My back was like a broken C and I was just like trying to stand and my back kept tightening up like super hard. And I was like, I, like, I can't even skate today. Like I got rained out yesterday. So I took that day off too. I ended up riding with another friend in Rosie and we just like sort of talked about his ragbag experiences and talked about like, it is an experience that you can never be, you can never be prepared for until you do it. And then you still never know what to expect. It's always like has these, you know, happy moments, blissful moments, suffering moments, sad moments, angry moments, lonely moments. It's like, you experience a whole spectrum of emotions. It's pretty spectacular. Caleb, his friend, and Rosie arrived in Cresco at the end of day five. After a couple days of rest, Caleb felt refreshed and motivated to finish out the miles on the final two days of Ragbri. Day six boasted 2,500 feet of climbing. Every hill kept appearing, and you'd see this huge hill coming up in front of you on the road, and I was like, Oh my, here comes another one. And I was just like, I'm not going to stop. No matter what, if I just get up over this hill, like maybe there won't be more. And I never stopped. The only time Caleb had to stop on a hill later that day was to help an older rider who'd stopped on the side of the road and was clearly struggling with heat exhaustion. Caleb and a few other riders, seeing that the man could barely respond to basic questions, called an ambulance. Ragbri is a, is a ride that's really enjoyable, but also it's like in a flash, it can turn into like an extreme thing. If you're not taking care of yourself, if you don't have water, if you're not like paying attention to what's happening, like it can quickly turn into like a serious event, whether that's wiping out or dehydration. And so it like, you know, really dawned on me that this is like kind of a crazy feat. On the final day, day seven, Caleb chipped away at the last 45 miles to Lansing. I kind of like shrugged off the I failed feeling. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to finish this. I'm going to finish strong. I'm going to ride into this finish line. But in those 45 miles, the riders had to climb 3,200 feet. That's the most up Caleb had ever done. But he took it one stride at a time. And false summit after false summit finally made it to the top of the last giant hill. At the top of the hill, I climbed up a little grassy bluff where all these dudes were sitting. And it was like this group of dudes from Britain and South America and all over just like talking about life. And I was like almost hyperventilating because I was like my emotions were climbing super hard. And I got to the top of this hill and I'm like not quite crying, but like wanting to cry. And then I remember sitting down with them being like, whoa, that like, this is insane. Like we're here. And uh, that was kind of like the finish for me. For me, it was like incredibly overwhelming. And I remember going down that hill on the other side was just like wild. It was huge. I was going so fast for so long. 
After the screeching downhill, Caleb skated, along with thousands of other riders, into the final town, Lansing, Iowa. To officially finish Ragbri, he had to dip his wheels into the Mississippi River. I'm skating down the main street of this town, like right on the riverfront, and all these people are just on their porches, and they're all cheering, and they're cheering for you, and it's like kind of crazy, you know, like kids out there giving out popsicles and people are just like so elated, just like, congratulations, I can't believe it. The people almost kind of know what you've been through in like this weird way. And they're like, you know, cheering you on. And so you're coming into the finish line and you're happy and you're like, this is over. But also this, you get hit with this instant sadness too of like, oh, I don't think I want this to be over. Like, I'm about to leave all my friends. I'm about to leave this experience that I've been immersed in for so long. So you're swept, you're in waves of like sadness of I don't want this to be over, but also relief that it's over. There's two photos of me at the finish line. I'm standing like at the bottom in the river, barefoot, my skates are in front of me. And the first one I'm holding this, this skate flag over my head of this sort of the skating emblem that we have in Iowa. And in the second one, I'm like wiping my face. And I feel like those two images are like perfectly explain the feeling. The first one is like, victory, yes. And the second one is like, you're almost crying because you're like, holy cow, like I can't believe all that just happened. Since 2017, Caleb has been back every year to skate Ragbri, with the exception of 2020, which was canceled due to COVID. He figured out how to register, train for hills, and optimize his diet for peak performance. This past summer, he completed his fourth Ragbri and has even inspired others to skate the route. And though he's dialed his long-distance skating game over the years, Caleb still rocks the Speedo briefs and will forever look back on his first ragbri as an unforgettable experience. From the first moment where I sat nervous staring on that highway, I was staring at a highway, but I think I was more staring at this void that I was getting ready to go into, that I knew was something much bigger than, than just a ride across Iowa. And that void, that feeling, that magic of ragbri sort of swept over me the whole course of the week. What ragbri taught me about myself Willpower and mindset is like the most important thing. Like it's more important than physical strength or than, or than anything else. Having control over your own mind and your own thoughts and, and keeping everything positive is like, will take you so much further than all the best equipment, and all the best training. Like it's so much of it is mental and Ragbri taught me that. Thank you, Caleb, for sharing your story. So Caleb recently started his own discipline of inline skating, which is pretty badass, called ultra skating. A few weeks ago, he skated 502 miles from Des Moines to Chicago. Mind is blown right now. He's now sponsored by several companies and helps new skaters find their stride on the pavement. If you're interested in skating, or even if you're not, 
make sure you check out Caleb's Instagram. His handle is Kale Boston. That's K-A-L-E Boston. Trust me, it'll make you smile. Music today from Ken Christensen, Bradley Carter, Kevin McLeod, John Barry, and Brennan O'Connell. The tracks are courtesy of the artists of Free Music Archive. Jacob Bain and Nice Koto composed our theme song. You can find links to the artists at our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. This episode was produced by Cordelia Zars and Ashley Langholz and edited by Becca Cahal. Illustration by Walker Call, graphics by Anya Miller. Becca Call is also our executive producer. I'm Fitz Cahal, and you've been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. Thanks for tuning in.